0: Howdy, Four Oaks Church. <laughs> this is Pastor Paul. It's been, since, uh, been such a long time since we've done this together, this pastoral devotional. I kind of forgot what to say, and I'm trying to get my 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 mouth moving, my lips working, the words coming out. But hey, if we don't know each other, I'm Pastor Paul, lead pastor here at Four Oaks Killarn. And if you're watching this or listening to this, this is what we call our sort of our, our Monday through Friday Four Oaks Pastoral Devotionals. This is where I take 10 or 15 minutes, Monday through Friday, and we look at a passage of scripture. And this, this journey through the week is, is not hodgepodge. I'm not just picking topics out of midair. We're not just sort of um, kind of hopping here, hopping there, depending on what the whim is. We're actually tracking with the sermon series that we've been preaching through on Sunday mornings at Four Oaks. That's through the Gospel of Matthew. And so what we do here is we take the passage that we're going to be preaching on for that upcoming Sunday, and we spend five days unpacking it together. And there's a few few reasons we do this. Number one, I just have to, selfishly, this is just super helpful for me, right, to get into the text I'm going to be preaching on early in the week, to be digesting it, processing it um, with you um, it, it's a, it's a form of accountability, but it also is great in terms of feedback because oftentimes you guys will have, uh, you'll shoot a text or an email and say, hey, I have a question about this or a question about that. It, it's super helpful for me. Secondly, I hope it's helpful for you because as you're getting a glimpse into how I approach a passage, unpack a passage, prepare to preach a passage, you sort of see how the theological sausage gets made, Right. And, um, and, and how, and how these things come together. And so Lord willing, by us taking this journey together of interpreting the text before us, it gives you some tools to be a student, um, of the word of God for yourself and kind of this idea of transferable concepts. And, and, and that's a great call for us, right? As we embark on the new year to be students of the word, uh, to be fed on the word, to be nourished by the word. So, so that's what we aim to do, all right? Now, in the, in the more micro level, we are at the end of Matthew chapter 14 um, on into Matthew 15. And um, let me read the text that is going to be the, the, the text we focus on this week. And then I'll explain kind of what we're what we're going to do today and then what we'll do on subsequent days, okay? So let me read the text for us. It's a bit longer, not too long, but a bit longer. Matthew 14, let's begin at verse 34. And when they had crossed over, they came to land at Gesenaret. And when the men of that place recognized him, they sent around to all that region and brought to him all who were sick and implored him that they might only touch the fringe of his garment. And as many as touched it were made well. Then Pharisees and scribes came to Jesus from Jerusalem and said, Why do your disciples break the tradition of the elders? For they do not wash their hands when they eat. He answered them, And why do you break the commandment of God for the sake of your tradition? For God commanded, Honor your father and your mother, and whoever reviles father or mother must surely die. But you say, if anyone tells his father or his mother, what would you have gained from me as given to God, he need not honor his father. So for the sake of your tradition, you have made void the word of God, you hypocrites. Well did Isaiah prophesy of you when he said, this people honors me with their lips, but their heart is far from me. In vain do they worship me, teaching as doctrine the commandments of men. what we typically do is we want to zoom out and look at the very big picture, the context of what is happening. Now we've spent previous times going over the the central theme of Matthew, which of course is Matthew marshalling evidence to to prove that Jesus is the Christ, that he's God's long-awaited anointed Messiah. He is the sovereign king and he's marshalling evidence in that way. And what we've seen as we've come out of Matthew 14 is that Moses has presented two key pieces of evidence, right? The feeding of the 5,000, Jesus walking on water, which are, are meant to show us that, that Jesus is a greater Moses, right? Um, he's the fulfillment of all that Moses prophesied because he takes two miracles that Moses was involved in, that is the, the parting of the Red Sea, and the manna in the wilderness of the children of God, and he blows those out of the water and replicates those in a way that even Moses didn't do. Jesus didn't part the water, he walked on the water. Um, Moses did not make the bread come down from heaven, but Jesus actually creates bread. So as you can imagine, um, the, the popularity of Jesus at this point in his ministry is rising okay it's increasing and in fact it tells us in john 6 that after these miracles that they tried to make him king now where this story fits into the 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 overall context here is that it tells us what begins to happen in response okay to these amazing miracles of jesus all right and so verses 34 through 36 and here today I'm wanting to give a flyover of the passage and then sort of raise the questions that I think will be helpful for us to ask together and then give you a little bit of homework on the way out the door. So verses 34 through 36 at the end of Matthew 14 are are meant to show us the people's response to the fame of Jesus. They've heard of this feeding of the 5,000. And as Jesus goes to a different geographical location, Jesus' fame has spread all around the region, and people are flocking to him. They are coming to him. Um, His power is so great that if they only touch the hem of his garment, they are healed. And and we have to recognize that this is extraordinary, right? Um, Israel has never seen anything like this, right? Right. They're begging him, Jesus, just let us touch the hem of your robe um, and and may we be healed. And so, so Matthew's putting a spotlight on the response of the people. But then Matthew 15 then puts the response on the religious leaders. And look at Matthew 15:1, And it's such an abrupt transition and such an awkward transition sort of question or issue on behalf of the Pharisees that that were left dumbfounded. And of course, that's the purpose. Look at 15.1. Then, and it's like immediately, like, so here are all these people getting healed by Jesus. Then, immediately, the Pharisees and scribes show up from Jerusalem, okay? Now, this is important because to this point, much of the opposition to Jesus, which has been increasing, by the way, from the religious leaders, has been local and geographical in the northern part of Israel. But but clearly, word of what Jesus was doing had spread all over Israel. And finally, the Sanhedrin sends their official delegation of Pharisees up to the backwoods, the sticks of northern Galilee, to find out what in the world is going on. Because... They have heard that Jesus is breaking Torah. Jesus is breaking the law. Jesus is teaching the people to break the law, and if that—and of course, if that's true, that's a serious issue, indeed. But when we hear the issue that they have brought to Jesus, um, we're sort of dumbfounded. So here are all these amazing things happening, right? And then in verse two, here's their concern for Jesus. Why do your disciples break the tradition of the elders? For they do not wash their hands when they eat. I mean, it's, <laughs> it's like if you're a parent and your child comes home and says, I've got straight A's. And what a moment of celebration and miraculous um, um, result that would be, right? But you immediately say, tie your shoe. Why why don't you tie your shoe? Can't you keep your shoes tied? It would just be completely incongruent, right? And to what's happening, and, and that's the sense here. Jesus is pouring out supernatural healing on the people. They're concerned because their disciples aren't washing their hands. And to be fair to the Pharisees, this wasn't just about hygiene for them. This was clearly about some sort of ritual cleansing, And so they have brought this issue to the table. Now, in response to this, Jesus then talks about the hypocrisy of the Pharisees, okay? And upon identifying the hypocrisy of the Pharisees, he then goes through an extensive teaching about the nature of spiritual life and what pleases God. Now, let's flag the things that we want to learn more about as we get into this text, so first there's a couple of questions we have, right? Why do you break the commandment of God for the sake of your tradition? So so it seems that Jesus is making a distinction between the, tr- the tradition of the elders and the word of God. And it seems they do the same thing, right? Verse 2, why do your disciples break the tradition of the elders? And so what the first thing we want to ask is that, was there a difference between the word of God and the tradition of the elders? Were they one and the same? Do they overlap? Were they different? Um, because Jesus seems to treat this as not a violation of the command of God, right? But as something that merely breaks one of their traditions. Now, Jesus in verse 4 quotes the Old Testament, right? Um, but then he says, you actually guys don't obey the written word um, for the sake of this other tradition that you do. And here it says, if anyone tells his mother or father, what would you have gained from me is given to God? He need not honor his father. The Pharisees were doing something to not only were they adding something to the law, but they were neglecting something in the law. And we want to go find out what those things were. Then we have this quotation from Isaiah and then this teaching about what pleases God and doesn't please God, okay? So so this is kind of the scope of the passage. And at this point in time, as we're looking at a text like this, we want to bring all the questions that we have, right? We want to put them all on the table. Um, We certainly want to observe what we're watching, but we want to bring our questions and we want to ask the, the word of God, tell me more, Lord, tell me more. So, so just here's a list of, of questions that I would encourage you to go explore between now and tomorrow, and I'm going to do the same. So when Jesus quotes Isaiah in uh, verses eight and nine, what part of Isaiah is he quoting? Uh, what's the context? Why is he quoting it? And if you have a little study Bible or a tablet, you can click on the little note there and it'll tell you. Ah, this comes from Isaiah 29, 13. And that he also quotes from Ezekiel thirty three thirty one. 31. Go look those up. Secondly, um, is there any other places in Scripture where this same practice of the Pharisees um, is also talked about? In other words, setting aside a portion of your income to God so you don't have to give it to your parents. And as you're going to find out, there is, in fact evidence of this practice, and it's more thoroughly explained in other parts of Scripture. And again, your task, should you choose to accept it, um, is to, again, go find out where this is talked about, okay? Um, So whether it's Exodus 21, um, you can go look in other parts of the Gospel, for example, um, and in, in Luke in particular, I think, where it talks about what the Pharisees did. Go, go look that up, okay? And, and what you're doing as you're asking these questions of the text, you're compiling a list of things that will sort of help you put this puzzle into, um, into one cohesive whole and understand that what Jesus is really aiming at is, to, is for, for them and for us to understand that the most important part of the spiritual equation upon which all else depends is not outward behavior, it's the heart. Now, outward behavior is important, but it won't do to simply run after the outward behavior, the reforms, without addressing the inward heart that produces the action. What a great word for us as we embark on this new year, right? lots of resolutions, lots of commitments, lots of, you know, I'm going to do better this year sort of thing. Um, And these things can oftentimes fall flat if we don't get at the heart of what is going on underneath for us. The Pharisees were focused on the external to the neglect of the internal. And because of that, they completely missed God, which is why we should pray today, God, show me my need for you. Um, work in the depths of my heart to expose things. And as you expose them, let me bring them to you to confess and to turn and to find grace and mercy. Okay, we'll pick up this passage tomorrow. It's going to be a great week. It's great to be back with you all. Let's pray. Lord, man looks on outward appearance, but you look on the heart. And so, Lord, we pray that you would do your major work of grace Um, in the intricacies of our hearts, and that in doing so, um, you would uh, conform us to the image of your son. So Lord, we ask for his help today. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Thanks everybody. See you tomorrow.